What's up, guys? I'm Connor. I'm Chandler. And we don't watch shitty movies. No, we don't. Uh, for those of you who missed our trailer because you were too lazy to listen to 12 minutes or less of content, I don't know how long yeah, it's going to be. Yeah, guys. Just go back and let... No, we'll we'll give you a brief <laughs> overview of who, of who we are. I'm Connor. I have a writing background. I watch a lot of movies, and I tend to kind of pay attention to that sort of storyline part of the movie. And I'm Chandler. I have a film studies and production background. I've been working with studying and analyzing film for 10 plus years at this point. I'm a fanatic about film, love watching movies. I look at things that most people don't, and sometimes I think they hate me for it. Oh. But that's fine because Connor appreciates my insights, <laughs> and he doesn't care that I may love movies, but there's a lot of them that I haven't really seen. Like, I haven't seen Shawshank. I haven't seen Top Gun. Wait, 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 hold on. You haven't seen Top Gun? No, dude, I haven't seen Top Gun. That's like Fast you... and the Furious, but for, like, military. Top Gun is like an American classic. It's like Field of Dreams. Well, I haven't seen that either. Dude, you're killing me. Okay, you know what? We got, we got to watch Top Gun. Baby steps. So we watched Top Gun? Yeah, we watched Top Gun. I, it, was, it was long overdue. Yeah, so what'd you think? I'm going to take it back. I said that I thought Top Gun was going to be like Fast and the Furious. Wait, wait, hold hold up. What did you mean by that? I don't know because I've never seen Fast and the Furious. (laughs) And I I refuse. But Fast and the Furious, it's this franchise of films that there's a story behind it that I don't understand. But the whole selling point in marketing is we have cool cars, we drive them fast, and we do things with them that are insane. Most of which are just completely implausible. So I thought it was just going to be a cool movie about airplanes doing cool stuff. And I was yeah. and I was I was wrong. They do that, but I think Top Gun is more like Baywatch than it is Fast and the Furious. <laughs> Are you talking about the volleyball scene? Partially the volleyball. It's just a bunch of guys in. I mean, it's Twenty One Jump Street meets Baywatch, where this group of men who are in this competitive environment, but then they're going and doing cool stuff, dogfighting planes and drama competition romantic relationships that don't quite make sense <laughs> okay i can see where you're, where you're where you're coming from about the 20 21 jump street it's been a while since i've seen that though that's less of like the plot is derived from those two movies but it's it's more of the theme the style of movies it's more like a bay watched feel good kind of yeah, like very 80s. buddy movie that's not a comedy like a buddy action movie i mean it's like an 80s action something. It's very 80s. It's very 80s. It was kind of propaganda-y, but not really. It was definitely supposed to be. The sort of initial reaction of it was people People were like, this guy's a little bit of a war hawk. Like, why is he making a movie about this? It's very sort of pro-war, pro-military. It's interesting because in the 80s, it worked. Obviously, it's like a cult classic. Yeah. But if you age the movie up, People still love it, but if you age this script up and tried to make it today, I don't think people would have it. I mean, Top Gun Maverick just came out, and it was actually an amazing movie. Well, did it follow like a similar premise? So Maverick was interesting because one of the themes of this movie, I don't know if you caught this, was that it was a lot about family mm-hmm. and a lot about the relationship between Maverick and his deceased dad. I would challenge that. I think that family was a theme, but I think the bigger theme was legacy. Not necessarily what's the legacy you leave behind, but what legacy did someone else leave behind that you're here to fulfill? And how are you meant to fulfill it? Interesting. And are you living up to that or not? You mentioned to me the most recent Top Gun that came out was about Goose's son. Yeah, so spoiler, Goose dies in Top Gun, if you haven't seen it. It's been long enough. If they haven't seen it now, then they deserve the spoiler. (laughs) Yeah, so Goose dies in Top Gun, and he's got this son who 
is played by Miles Teller in the, the new one. The new movie is more mostly about his relationship with Goose's son and how he tries to navigate that relationship because Goose's son is also a Navy pilot. It's very thematic and it's very similar and you see the mirroring. This, yeah. this son whose dad died as a pilot, died in a plane, and now I'm assuming he's going to Top Gun yeah. Academy. And you have this figure who was really close friends and flew with his dad. It's like the same situation. But it's that theme of legacy. Like, why did they choose his son to do this? Both the movies are really about repairing their relationships with their family. And the family you have versus the family you choose, that sort of thing. To be honest with you, Top Gun Maverick is actually a better movie than the original Top Gun. I believe it. Every, everybody I've talked to has said Top Gun Maverick is one of the best movies they've seen this year. Maverick informed the original Top Gun, and I actually learned a lot about the original movie from seeing it. For example, one of the big themes that they talk about is that Maverick is trying to come to terms with honoring his dead dad, because Maverick's dad was also a Navy pilot. He died under mysterious circumstances, and the Navy basically dishonored him, I guess. And so it seemed like it was a way that he connected with his dad. Also, flying for the Navy was a contentious relationship. What makes the movie interesting, the basis of the flaw behind Tom Cruise's character, behind Maverick, is that he takes risky moves. He's, yeah. very, he's very bold, and he's very dangerous and kind of foolish. And they kind of mention that the reason he's doing that is because he feels like he has something to prove. Because there's always this air around, oh, you're your father's son. He was dishonored, so you must not be an honorable pilot. And this whole time, he's like out there to prove I can do great things Yeah, if yeah. you let me. They even mentioned, like, they slipped it in there a couple of times, the fact that he wasn't allowed in the Naval Academy because his dad was dishonored or something like that. They only really mention it a handful of times. It feels like one of the main drives of the character is that it's like, how do I sort of get back? How do I, how do I sort of honor my father's legacy or how do I repair the damage that the Navy did or that my dad did. It felt like he was sort of trying to, you know, go back and forth between doing the right thing and doing the sort of bold, reckless thing. From like a writing standpoint, it's always more fun to watch an underdog. But in a movie like Top Gun, you also want to see characters who are cool and like doing really cool shit. Like you want to watch the best pilot, but an underdog story is the more interesting story. So how do you yeah. pair those two together is you have a character who's just an incredible flyer, but the environment around him sees him as an underdog because his father was dishonored. He feels like people don't see him for his skill and for what he can do. And he's not helping himself. He can't follow protocol. And like that's kind of him getting over the, you have to kind of get over your ego and this thing you're trying to do and just be the pilot. I completely agree. It's funny that you sort of mentioned the underdog story because, especially in a lot of 80s movies, there's always this sort of tendency to have a happy ending or like, you know, in most underdog stories, the underdog comes out on top. And in this one, it he doesn't so much that. Because, I mean, Iceman wins the competition between them. Maverick was just sort of, he got by, he graduated, which is okay. That, for him, is a personal character victory. Because oh, yeah. he was so focused and arrogant and just wanting to be the best that his real success is accepting the fact that he's not, but still showing up anyway. Or even like just becoming part of the team. And I think, I think that actually is the better resolution when you think about it, because his whole thing that he is he is the best. Yeah, he, he doesn't need a wingman. Right, and he need, doesn't need to prove that anymore. 
And so by graduating, he realizes that he's part of the team. Yeah, a little bit. I think it's less of the graduating and more of the fan service dogfight that closes the movie. They graduate. That could be the resolution in itself. You could roll the credits and it's fine. But they still go out and they take on some MIGs. There's like that moment. He's about to pull away and he says, no, I'm not leaving my wingman. I'm a part of this team. We're together. That's the resolution. Graduating is more of like a setup. That's why it didn't really carry a whole lot of weight. It was like, well, he's there. There's that awkward handshake between Iceman and whoever Iceman's wingman was where it was just sort of like, hey, you're here. Congratulations on deciding to be here. You know? Yeah. Previous to this, they're in this final test. They have the chance to come out on top. And right. then the, the death of an ally. Goose doesn't make it. Yeah, we haven't even really talked about Goose dying. Not yet. We will. Because, honestly, Top Gun's not a good movie if Goose doesn't die, which yeah. is unfortunate. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think the there's just such a goofy, almost like a buddy cop vibe to the movie that <laughs> the death of Goose just grounds it and makes you realize, oh, they're having fun. Oh, it's all fun and games until you realize that there's actual stakes and one little slip up and someone doesn't make it. I want to talk about the death of Goose in terms of that theme of family. It was very interesting the way they sort of portrayed Goose's death because obviously they were incredibly close. But like when, when Goose dies, Meg Ryan's character is the one who's consoling him. and She like just pulls out the strength knowing Goose's and Maverick's relationship and how strong it was. And she's like, Maverick's probably just destroyed by right, this exactly but also because maverick blames himself oh yeah a big part of his character was a, a do it do it yourself sort of if i'm not going to do it nobody's going to and so it has to all be on me it really kind of correlates to the sort of death of his father and, and his the world is out to get me sort of idea i i think it's oh gosh did you get a little bit of a an erotic vibe from the movie Definitely. Like, the whole point that Goose's wife is consoling Maverick is because Goose and Maverick were obviously gay lovers. Well, I mean, I've told you about the, the Tarantino bit, right? There's a Quentin Tarantino cameo in this movie from 1994. I think it's called Sleep With Me. And basically, he goes on this crazy sort of, like, drunk party tirade where he's like, you know what the best script of all time is? The best script of all time is Top Gun. And basically, the whole point of the movie is quentin tarantino says is that the whole movie is about one man's quest to come to terms with his own homosexuality and this was the first time that i was really like oh my god i think he's right well i mean tom cruise and kelly mcgillis have absolutely no romantic chemistry on screen it's an awkward couple of middle schoolers who aren't actually into each other but they think that they're supposed to be no i totally agree i totally agree the more you watch the movie the more you realize he's like got an insane amount of chemistry with all the guys yeah you have these romantic close-ups i was waiting for just a kiss to happen right 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 like val kilmer and tom cruise they would get into each other's faces and they would just sort of like like try to intimidate each other and i was just like okay now now kiss wanted it to happen it didn't happen and you know yeah, that's fine it's the 80s Dell kilmer's a handsome man and tom cruise is yeah he's got that middle tooth that in top gun is so much more prominent in every shot that one of his teeth is right in the middle of his smile yeah i i mean there were a bunch of times during the movie where he would he would kind of give a toothy grin at kelly mcgillis to try to be like i like you can you tell and it would just the the middle of his tooth would just be like staring at me i don't think i've seen young tom cruise in anything i think the first maybe movie i've seen tom cruise in is the mission impossibles and he looks so much different like you can tell it's the same person but it's like he aged up and he looks so different 
Anyway, so Top Gun, very gay. It was it was interesting to me though because there were some things. So in in particular, when I watched the the Tarantino monologue about it, he mentioned a couple of things, a couple of scenes in particular, and. As the movie kind of progresses, you realize that it's it's a little bit more all-encompassing than just sort of like a couple of coincidences. And that like this sort of theme that he's talking about, about how he's trying to come to terms with his like own homosexuality is, is like, it's sort of an accidental and very large theme of the movie. So I, I, I want to I take you through the, the, the sort of theory on this one, because I think this is really funny. And it sort of adds an extra layer to the movie that's not, you know, an idea about sort of brotherhood and family and legacy or about sort of hyping up the the military. And I think it actually makes the movie much more compelling when you think about it. So the theory basically goes that Iceman and Charlie are sort of fighting for for Maverick's soul or fighting for Maverick's identity. And Iceman represents the gay community, LGBTQ community. And Charlie sort of represents a, a, a more, quote-unquote, traditional, straight sort of, I guess, identity. And throughout the movie, there are a handful of scenes that really like show sort of a power play. There's always sort of, like, Iceman always has this sort of interesting, almost flirtatious relationship with, with Maverick. I would argue even Ice is a much better fit and much more compassionate and empathetic towards Maverick than Charlie is. Yeah. Because let's go back to when Goose dies for a second. Charlie says... I'm here for you if you need me. Let me know. And then leaves. Iceman's the only one who steps up in the locker room when Maverick is leaving and says, hey, I'm sorry about Goose. Everyone loved him. And like just is very clear. I'm really sorry to hear about that. Well, and it was interesting the, the way that, that the guy decided to be the emotionally receptive character. And whereas Charlie becomes interested kind of randomly, I guess. Yeah, it's like a very superficial kind of interest because she doesn't become interested in him until she learns that he (laughs) made a really arrogant flight move and saw a MiG flying and she wanted the information from him. So it's like she almost like didn't really actually like him. Right. right. He was just a convenient person to try and go for. And she also knew she had like was about to take a job in D.C. So she was like, hey, if I... Get risky with a student. Like, right, right. I'm out of here anyway. Why not? Yeah, I mean, well, and she kind of was, like, trying to break a couple of rules and all of that. This Tarantino theory talks about how basically it's like a going back and forth between Iceman and Charlie. And so there's that weird sort of, like, quasi-sexual scene where they're in the apartment, in her apartment, and they look like something's going to happen. And then Maverick just sort of leaves after taking a shower, and that was sort of like, what's going on here? And then immediately after... Charlie kind of dresses up like a man. Yeah, I didn't even recognize her in the elevator. I was like, is this just some other person? Or- no, at first I didn't. And then they started in their conversation and they mentioned, I was like, oh my God, that's her. But she's like wearing a very concealing hat. Her hair looks darker. She's like, yeah, in a more masculine apparel. Quick fun fact. So she actually took a different acting gig and that was part of like a post-production. It was a reshoot. Yeah, so her hair was colored, and you can actually tell her hair is a is like it's darker, dark brown. That's why I thought she was a different character. Well, yeah, because she looks completely different. I mean, she definitely looks a lot more masculine, and then Maverick is immediately attracted to her, and so there's, there's a sort of like attraction to masculine energy. And then you, you know get to that actual sex scene, and it's just very awkward and uncomfortable. Yeah, they're licking teeth. It's <laughs> there. It is not. It is not a well choreographed romantic scene at all. It's very blue. Like, it's a very 
tinted blue like romantic encounter and blue is not a color yeah, it's, normally it's... associated with romance like if they wanted to show that it was a fiery passion it would have been like a red, red or an orange but blue is like more relaxed more calm it's almost like they're just more comfortable around each other than they are like actually attracted yeah, to each other so it's exactly it's like a man who meets someone who can actually be his best friend in a different way than all these men can you think it's almost like being sad almost like it's like i have to do this it it did yeah it almost did seem kind of i mean it seemed kind of sad too like they're it was very slow it almost was like they're both there doing it because they thought they needed to be yeah it it is very awkward yeah i mean there's sort of a a jokiness to this the, the whole theory about maverick being gay and all that but i think a lot of a lot of the reason for that and you and i had sort of talked about this before is that there's just not a lot of chemistry and there's just the movie was sort of put together in a way that was really clunky at times. Oh, absolutely. There's so in modern movies, what what we find as viewers to be very interesting, or at least what I find as a viewer to be very interesting is where you have one main plot line with your main character. And usually there's a side or a side character or two, like the supporting characters. They're not background characters. They're a main part of the story. They're just not the main focus. And they have something else going on on the side. Which makes it interesting and dynamic. This main character has this goal they're trying to achieve and the world is evolving around them and their like closest companions have other goals that they're trying to reach as well as support the lead. In Top Gun, there are I have come up with three, two and a half or three main plot lines, but they're all for Maverick. None of the side characters have any other objectives. Except for Goose just wants to graduate, but that's specifically what Maverick wants, is just to graduate. Which is interesting. Maybe Maverick doesn't want to graduate. He wants to prove himself. But at, but at the end, when he goes to graduation, maybe he goes for Goose. Maybe that's him like in memorial. But like you have this plotline for Maverick of proving that his family is not dishonorable and proving that he's a good pilot. And, and that kind of ties with his dad and figuring out what happened to his dad which is a whole nother tangent he goes on. Yeah. Then there's his romantic relationship with Charlie, yeah. which is a completely different, has nothing to do with the main story. So like the, the main three, you have the Top Gun plot, you have his dad, Maverick's dad plot, trying to figure out what happened, and you have the Charlie romantic plot. Yeah. So like two side plot, but it's all with Maverick, and so it feels very clunky because he's not focused. And it kind of, it's a very clunky story. You're trying to hard, it's like hard to follow because like what's really his objective or his goal. And then at the end of the day, he makes the decision and his like resolution kind of has nothing to do with any of those. He proves enough that he can be a good pilot, but then decides to be an instructor, which he's never thought about before that. He ends up getting to be with Charlie, but we've discovered, do they really want to be together or was it just a relationship of convenience? There's not really a whole lot of chemistry there. And so what I found out was really interesting is that a lot of there were a couple of scenes in this movie that were sort of kind of heaped together as a marketing thing. Like, I mean, um, obviously, the the volleyball montage, it's iconic, but it it doesn't didn't really do anything. Like, I mean, it kind of felt like it was sort of a hard cut from whatever they were doing before. And now, now they're just playing volleyball and they don't really explain it. They don't really have any sort of context or information about why they did it. They just sort of did it. And then the Charlie thing was just sort of an interesting relationship because it really felt like the the relationship between Maverick and Charlie literally could have stopped right after they met at the bar. Yeah, that would have been it, the whole romantic part, yeah. And even if she comes back as an instructor and is there, like that whole awkward tension, that could have been the end of it. They didn't need to... 
Yeah, I mean, I I thought it could have been would have been even funnier if you know he tried to hit on the 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 flight instructor and was just trying really really hard to like you know get in her pants or whatever, and then and she's just sort of like smiling the whole time. He's like, he doesn't know. He doesn't he doesn't know. And then he shows up to class for the first day, and he's just like, oh god, it's her. And then that's just like sort of the whole funny relationship and. There doesn't have to be sort of a forced thing. Right. And if you take that out and you take all the time that they spent with him pursuing her, having those like dates at her house, and you filled that with him actually trying and showing him like prying at figuring out what happened to his dad instead right. of just having one scene dedicated to where he just kind of lucks into it, yeah. like I think would have made that a stronger side plot. I think it would have strengthened the the plot in terms of like what his actual goals are, like why he's in the Navy, why he's flying his relationship with his dad being as like necessary as it is. And then it would have made even stronger, like that line of your, your Rio will be there when you get to the plane. And and if he's not call me, I'll fly with you. Like that line was, that was a huge line, but it didn't have like the support and the buildup. Maverick was missing a father figure. Like I almost wanted Viper to have this, Weird relationship where if you bring his character up, you show him more, you show the tension between Viper and Maverick, and then he ends up becoming understanding a little bit and then becoming a little bit of a father figure, but where Maverick doesn't know it, but you can see Viper's feeling that way. And then you you hit that line. If your Rio's not there, call me. I'll fly with you. Is like the, hey, like I trust you. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to that whole family thing about... It's not his dad, but he trusts him as, as sort of a family member. It doesn't have to necessarily be, you know, you know, he doesn't have to identify him as, oh, this is a second dad or, oh, this is a brother. Right. But it's a very, like, godfather type of relationship where this was like, I mean, he flew with his dad. It's right. the closest thing his dad would have had to, like, a best friend that's still around and willing to talk about it. So it's not like, oh, you're my new dad, but it's like, hey, Uncle Viper. Yeah, <laughs> Uncle Viper. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean... I think it's a really sort of it, it did it did feel a little bit clunky at times because of these sort of marketing ploys like the 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 relationship with Charlie was also a marketing thing to sort of get women on board because this is a this is a dude's movie. It's a movie for about the bros for the bros for the boys for the boys all about the boys. It's just planes and boys. That's, that's yeah. It's all it's all it needed to be like the. The Charlie plot line, there's nothing wrong with it. Like, no. it, it wasn't out of place. I'm not saying they should have taken it out. I'm just saying I think if they did, it would have been, I mean, it would have been a completely different movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and I think and I think that's why we're able to sort of take liberties about that third plot point about maybe there's a secret sexual relationship between Goose and Maverick. Maybe there's a secret sexual relationship between Maverick and, and, and Iceman. And, you know, I, I talk about it in jest, but but because the movie's a little clunky and because the scenes aren't necessarily either in the right order or the, the way that they put emphasis on certain scenes. The, the relationships between all the men in the movie do hit you more and are more prevalent than the relationships between Maverick and Viper and Maverick and Charlie. Like, it's, it's not that, oh, they intended it to be this way. No, it's like no. because it is clunky, it really showcases because it's supposed to be a movie for the boys like well, it, is it really it really shows that but because you have other romantic stuff involved and entwined you're like oh these like when you can compare and juxtapose yeah. 
the Charlie relationship and the Iceman relationship and you see what romance looks like and then how his relationship is with Ice, you're like, oh, his relationship with Ice is way more romantic than his romantic relationship. You take out Charlie, you won't even have that to compare and it's just boys being boys. Yeah, and that, that that was sort of what I was sort of getting at is that idea that that they almost forced themselves into, you know, that secret third plot point or that little scandalous third plot point because of the awkward Charlie relationship. They totally fumbled into the story about gay love. I think it could be, yeah. And I, I do want to talk about that ending, though, because there are three, there are really three endings that are sort of... There, there are, th- yeah, let's talk about the endings. So, so the, the, the really iconic one is the, the you can be my wingman anytime and and that whole that whole set of scenes where where Maverick sort of supports his his he's, other, yeah he's there for his team he's there for his wingman yeah. he doesn't bail he comes back and then it's that moment of trust of like I trust you because you see right before that dogfight Ice is like are you sure he's the best call yeah right I think that's probably the most powerful scene and if you were to end the movie on that that'd be an amazing end of the movie it's just you can be my you can be my wingman anytime. That movie ends with applause. You end it there, you get a standing ovation. Yeah. Well, and, and what, was, what was interesting is, so I saw the movie earlier this summer, or this past summer. And for whatever reason, I sort of vaguely remember the movie ending with that scene instead of the, the sort of wimpy dog tag throw, whatever that was. Which, by the way, I'm pretty sure that's super disrespectful. I could be, I could be wrong, but like, wouldn't the family want to hang on to those dog tags? I don't like, know. I it mean, feels kind of weird to just more, chuck them. I think it was more of a symbolic thing. I mean, it, when, you, when you really think about it, if you're, if you're reading into it, Goose's wife gave Maverick the dog tags to do with, do with it whatever he would. Okay, that's so maybe not disrespectful. And so maybe it's sort of like almost like a Titanic thing. Well, I mean, this movie comes before. Did Titanic rip off? Titanic is just a Top Gun story. <laughs> no, they are not connected. But we will add Titanic to our watch list. James Cameron was just like, hmm, he throws the dog tags into the water. Interesting. The dog tags, something you wear around your neck. What's something else you can wear around your neck that you could throw in the water that's seemingly valuable? Ooh, a gem. Diamonds. <laughs> Dog tag? Yeah, but diamonds. so you have the, you can be my wingman anytime. You have the wimpy throw the dog tags. But then, then isn't there a scene after that as well? Yeah, and then it's that really sort of awkward, like... Bar scene. Bar scene with Charlie where he kind of is just not into it. It's, it's weird. So here's my thing. Those last two ending points, one of them is just Tom Cruise and dog tags on a boat. That to me could be shot later and we may not know that seems like a really easy reshoot like that's just one one character one can't like and then the at the bar there's no one else in the bar it's just the two of them in an empty bar with no one like it almost feels like those scenes were an afterthought yeah yeah i mean i i agree with that i think that if you're really i mean like like we said if if you're really looking for the strongest ending it's it's, you can be my wingman anytime. No, you can be my wingman. Yeah, yeah, no, you can be my... Right, exactly. And then that's the ending. It, it sort of seemed like the very last ending for sure, you know, the bar scene, that one seems like it's, you know, trying to appeal to an audience again, trying to be like, we're going to wrap this up and make this, you know, a perfectly happy ending, and, and the guy gets the girl that he may not have even wanted, to be honest with you. You know, that that... Hey, he needed a beard. It's the 80s. 
Yeah, I mean, it just had to had to appeal like that, and it just didn't really seem like it made a lot of sense. And it felt it felt like there was an ulterior motive for 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 doing it. Yeah. And then obviously the the throwing the dog tags off the boat that's fine. I mean, I think it makes sense. It doesn't make it a strong ending, but it sort of wraps up that relationship with Goose where, you know, he's got a really strong relationship with him and he's just trying to make sure that he he sort of shows him that he's letting go of his his the responsibility for him which i think is nice but it's it's not as strong as as him being part of the team and showing him that his allegiance to goose and you know that he has a line earlier in the movie about talking about how goose is all he has and how goose is all the basically the the only family he has. Only, the only family he has, right. And I think him becoming integrated with the, the, the rest of the team is just as strong of a, a resolution about talking about how he, or, or about showing that he's, he cares about the rest of the group. It's not just one person. It's not just a selfish motivation because he's you know, got to care about his partner because his partner is going to you know, help him be the best. But he actually cares about the team because that's, that's what he needs to do. That's how he. That's how he and then, heals. And in a way, it's how he heals. And in a way, it's how he realized was his missing piece to actually prove that he's a, a good pilot and right. not dishonorable. Is you're you have fantastic skills. The only thing you need now is to play as a team. Yeah, it's an interesting. It's an interesting movie. That the more I watch it, I obviously get a bunch of different looks at it. But it's it's pretty clear that it was clunky in a lot of places it is but even though it was kind of bad it was also really good like it was not a bad movie no i i wouldn't say i i would never go as far as to say the top gun was a bad movie none i don't i don't think it's even close to bad i i think from my personal in my personal opinion the clunkiness makes it fun because you can sort of interpret it different ways interpret it and editorialize and 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 come up with these sort of silly meanings and if if i watched it three more times i could probably pick out another secret plot point that may or may not be true that the director almost certainly had no intention of 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 talking about or or reviewing but it just because it's a little messy you can sort of come away with a different storyline or a different sort of subtext about what may or may not be going on and i think that was that's sort of what was fun about the movie and that's why i sort of like going back to it yeah so let's talk about not from watching in the future not in the past but after this viewing of us watching it how what would you rate top gun i really liked it i'm, I'm definitely going to watch it again i think it you know it, it's one of those movies that you can watch over and over again definitely is i'm gonna make you rate it out of 10 because that's how imdb rates it oh okay. so out of 10 out of 10 points out of 10 top gun points Ten Top Gun points. Okay. Does um, Top Gun finish? Does Top Gun graduate? Not like a Godfather point or not. A no, no, no. We're not doing cannolis. No, no. no, no we're rating it on on a Top Gun points. It needs enough points to graduate out of ten. After this viewing, not previous viewings. No, I would say it was probably a six or a seven. Yeah, I I definitely think where I where I think it's clunky and not like a technically great movie. I would still rate it between a seven and an eight because yeah. I enjoyed it. Right. And like, there's a lot of conversation that comes out about it. Like, I'm really big on conversation, community, and connection, and I think film can really do that. Yeah, I, like I completely agree. we're able to talk about Top Gun for nearly an hour right. after I've only seen it once. Like, it 
provokes a lot of conversation, really connects. I, I've talked to other people about Top Gun and I've mentioned just briefly, like, they're like, what do you think of it? And I was like, oh, it's pretty gay. And every single person I've mentioned that to is like, oh, absolutely. Of course really? it is. That's what's great about it. Really? Like, it's not even a secret. It's like, people know. People know it's very like, uh, it's yeah. it's got this this thing to it. But I think that's that's part of it that's great is it, it had this effect on culture that it didn't intend to. Like, it had this intention to be this very specific, cool, propagandic film, and it didn't do it well, but it did other things fantastic, and I think that's why it did so well. And I, and I, I think it also has become almost like a political... It's got almost a political message where, I mean, if you mix this sort of possibly homoerotic gay sort of theme with this idea of brotherhood and the fact that it was made in the sort of 80s and became you know, very prominent in the 80s and 90s, it, it almost takes on a political tinge. And I think that, you know, when you walk away from it, it, I mean, met, meanings aside, because it because it's a little clunky, you can watch it and get a different thing out of it every time. And I think that's often what makes a really fun movie different from a really great movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, like absolutely. I, I, there are very few great movies that I would also say that I would that I would watch over and over and over again, and I think I mean, they don't have to be shitty movies. Don't don't right. Well, we don't watch shitty no, we movies. Don't watch shitty, no, no, we don't watch shitty movies. But I think, I think the fact that it's a little imperfect is what makes it so fun. I totally agree with you. All right, I think we have to pick our next movie. We have to pick our next. Movie so again. before before we do that, I definitely would say, if you haven't seen Top Gun, coming from someone who never planned on watching it. Definitely worth the watch. If you have seen Top Gun, go watch it again. Yeah, you got to watch it again. You got to watch it again. And this, what I would say is before you watch Top Gun, watch the Quentin Tarantino monologue on it. It's so funny. And even if it just changes your mind a little bit and it's just another way to watch the movie, it made it more fun as somebody who's watched the movie at least like 10 times. So definitely, definitely give that a shot. Yeah, definitely just go look up Sleep With Me. Quentin Tarantino, you can Google Quentin Tarantino, sleep with me, Top Gun rant, and I'm sure you'll find it. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> it's, it's pretty funny. All right, so what do we watch next? So I chose the movie this time. Give me some options. Give you some options? Okay, we did Top Gun, but I'm gonna, I want to bring you a, a, big ba- a bit back into the classics. I'm a, I have a little bit more experience in older movies, yes, older than Top Gun. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to give you a couple choices. We can go... We can go comedy, or we could go horror. So Some Like It Hot, directed by Billy Wilder, or Psycho by Alfred Hitchcock. Oh, God. Is Some Like It Hot the one with... Marilyn Monroe. Oh, okay. Got Marilyn Monroe, Tony Curtis, Jack Lemmon. I've heard so much about Psycho, and I've... I've only seen a handful of Alfred Hitchcock films, but I, I really do like him, so I think... I think I think we're gonna to have to do Psycho this time, because right. I'm looking forward to that seeing seeing some of the, the the scenes that I've heard so much about. You know that shower scene is iconic. There's iconic shower scene. There's a lot of creepiness. There is quite a twist ending, which I think you don't Ooh. know about, and I'm not gonna give you any hints. Okay. It is it is phenomenal. All right, so next we're watching Psycho. Sweet, looking forward to it. Uh, before we go, do you have anything you want to plug? I'm gonna pl- I'm gonna plug coffee. Oh, 
We should plug coffee. Yeah, let's plug coffee. We're drinking coffee this morning. Ooh, and let's plug uh, Trader Joe's Scandinavian Swimmers. Oh my God. Okay, to be, I'm going to be real with you. Snacks can make or break a movie. Connor, you brought Scandinavian Swimmers from Trader Joe's. Yeah. This is not sponsored by Trader Joe's, but no, Trader Joe's, if you find this and you want to sponsor it us, would be very nice. you could just send us Scandinavian Swimmers and we'd yeah, be happy. Yeah. We, should, we should just plug this podcast. Yeah, we're going to plug ourselves. Yeah. Listen to more We Don't Watch Shitty Movies yeah. and find us where you find your podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I look forward to doing more of these and, and can't wait to build this out a little more. Absolutely. Uh, you can find our socials in the show notes. Uh, so if you're interested in following us on socials, I don't post a whole lot, but we can link it down there if you yeah. want. Well, roll credits, I guess. Yeah, sounds good.